What demographic is regularly eating at or pre-gaming the grocery store? I need I need more context for the pre-gaming part. I guess I can understand the eating at part, right? Because like my experience, like there's like at Publix, they'll have like some have some like uh, I think they have some benches like outside. I, I've yes. been to a couple of ones that are inside um, as well that have it where it's like, hey, I just ordered something from the deli. I got me a sub, or you know, I got something from. You know the chicken, you know the hot bar stuff like that, or you know the the uh, if you want to dive into some pasta salad or something like that, you can just go ahead and do that there. Um, I've eaten at a Publix many a time, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah, it's a pretty good time. You know, it's pretty <laughs> laid back, pretty chill. I mean, the vibes in a grocery store are always pretty chill. You know, so I think that I think that I mean, I guess if you go to a good one, I guess. I guess some grocery stores you have, it can it be can, depressing. It can get hostile. It can get hostile. <laughs> you are fighting. Just, just getting fighting armed for up. Survival. Just getting armed up at a at a at a piggly wiggly. Be like, back off, everyone. It reminds me of the scene, and it's always sunny when Frank just <laughs> screams, "Loot!" <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the uh, <laughs> there's a grocery store uh, where I grew up that had a deli. And, um, you know, they did like meet and three kind of stuff in there. And there were, there were tables and stuff like that in there. So I guess, I guess when you first said that, I was like, what are you talking about? And then now it makes a little bit more sense. I think, I think like the Kroger in Auburn has some tables. I think that's more for the Starbucks, but like, I think you there's can... a sushi place there. I don't yeah, know. I mean, most people yeah. probably get that to go. However, yeah. I've been eating at grocery stores a little more frequently recently, but at this place, there's a wall burgers in the place, but there's also an Asian place. And I usually get the Asian food and just go sit in the wall burgers section. And so <laughs> they have drink specials like every night of the week, essentially. And that's what I was getting at. It's like, I guess it's one thing to eat there. Cause I've eaten there oh, a handful okay, of times, yeah. but it's curious yeah. to me that they're trying to lure people in and like get them <laughs> drunk before they go do their grocery shopping or maybe afterward, like because oh, the kids smart. are horrific and like, you're just like I've got to have something to drink. This has been a horrific experience. That's smart, though. Uh, yeah, that's smart, man. Like, um, just just get people inebriated, and then like, all right, now now make wise financial decisions. <laughs> and also, I mean, you be know, like it's a terrible time. idea to like go grocery shopping when you're hungry, obviously. When you're hungry, yeah. And like, you know, yeah. one thing that makes you impulsive, obviously, which probably make you a better shopper in their eyes so i guess there's some strategy involved i'm just not sure how high the success rate is so i have a question this this grocery store yeah like is it part of like a shopping center are there stuff is there stuff around it yeah is it kind of off to it okay it's in a shopping center so there's a bunch of like there's like steak and shake and uh different like franchises and like there's a gym and you know, okay, so gotcha, there's, gotcha. there's a fair so, amount going on here. So having a Wahlburgers and a and a Asian place there isn't it's not out of the ordinary. Like you know you would right. be like, wow, that's really weird. That that's that's sitting here, um, a standalone. Yeah. <laughs> my my big take uh, my big take on um on uh, uh, steak and shake is I think that it's pretty bad. Like and not even like I don't like it. It's just like I, I don't know why that's the first trash. place I thought of to reference here because there are but like a bunch sense. of different. Yeah, there's a like, ton of them. I would imagine options, where you are. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just like it happens to be mm-hmm. here. Um, yeah. Dick's Sporting Goods overpriced. Yeah, yeah. This will lose our sponsorship deal with 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 Dick's Sporting Goods. No, yeah, it's maybe it's a tough love situation. Maybe maybe that's the thing we shame them into lowering their prices. Um, yeah, this isn't a for for all intents and purposes. This isn't an academy sports and outdoors household over here. Um, That's where I bought my last tennis shoes from. There you go. Or there running go. Shout shoes, out. whatever. Shout out academy. Um, now, I, I uh, this concept though of the, the grocery store eating in a grocery store. Um, I guess you know when there was a mailbag question not too long ago, where someone asked me to rank grocery stores. Mm. And I put H Mart on there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how many people have ever been to an H Mart before. Um, these things are sick. Uh, there's one in Atlanta. There's one in like suburban Atlanta. Um, I think there's. I've been to one in Texas somewhere. I can't remember if it was Dallas or Houston. I was um, thinking Houston, but I don't actually know. Yeah. So if you've never if you've never been to H Mart, if you've never seen an H Mart before, uh, it is a 
It's a Korean, and yeah, there's a few in in Atlanta actually. There's a it, it's a it's a Korean and American combo chain. It's a, it's it's basically this giant supermarket that has like all the stuff you would get at a regular supermarket, but then it also has a lot of stuff for like Asian food. And I'm, when I say Asian food, I mean like every like Chinese, Japanese, Thai. You know, you could get you could get pretty much anything you'd ever want there. And then in the ones I've been to, in the back they have like a food court of like all the different like all these different types of Asian cuisines that you can sit back there and eat that as well. So I feel like that is probably it's more like a it's more like a grocery store with like a little mall attached to it, which I which I'm a big fan of. Um, so if you ever if you're ever around and you ever see if you ever see an H Mart, go go in there, do yourself a favor. We're 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 big fans here. We're gonna try to get them to sponsor us as well. Uh, we'll uh <laughs> We're just gonna shame everybody into sponsoring us or sing their praises loud enough. Except for you, Dick Sporting Goods, you're you're put on. You're out. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, back at our regularly scheduled time. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn. Painter Sharpless in Parts Unknown. Pre-gaming at the grocery store. Hello, Painter. Billy Donovan, aging well. I think he does uh, self-care. Yeah. How old do you think Billy Donovan is? 56. Let's look it up. But he doesn't look it. Billy, Don- Billy Donovan is 56. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, he does not look like it as well. We, If you listen to our... If you listen to our premium podcast last week, you were talking about how Jay Wright doesn't look like he was 60. Um, yeah, Billy Donovan looking pretty good for a guy in his 50s. And we and we said it, not to belabor that whole point again, but it's like, it looks like, it, it, it to me, it just seems like it would be so hard to age well in a high-stress job like like uh, coaching. Last week, like Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated uh, wrote a story about like Matt Luke just hanging it up and saying, you know, hey, I'm done. You know, he went and got that offensive – it was offensive line coach at Georgia last year that won a national title, and he just stepped away from coaching. He, like, wasn't taking another job. Nothing went wrong. Just was like, hey, I'm going to go be a dad now. And there's an anecdote that Ross writes in that story. It's a really bizarre coincidence. And when I was reading it, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. He tells a story about how last summer – he talked about, like, how the – the 24-7, 365 cycle of, like, coaching, um, especially recruiting. Like, you're always on alert at all times. And he tells a story about um, last year, one of his sons, uh, for his birthday, they went to Orlando. And they went to, like, Disney World. And they went to they went to Universal. And he tells a story, Matt Luke tells a story in there about how he had to leave his sons uh, to go ride this ride, one of the Harry Potter rides at, at, uh, at Universal. Because, you know, he had to be on the phone. He was doing some recruiting thing or something like that. And it was like one of those moments where he said he felt like it hit him where it was like, wow, I'm missing a lot. Or like, this is this is really like I'm having to do all this stuff. And my kids are literally having these experiences and I'm not I'm not able to be a part of them uh, like like it. And, you know, for Matt Luke, you know, he made millions of dollars as a head coach in the SEC, got a ring, you know, helping Georgia win a national title. And now he's like done. The funny part about that story, the weird part about that story is I literally watched that story happen because last summer I was at I was in Orlando with my family and we were at Universal. I saw Matt Luke sitting outside looking by exhausted. himself. Yeah, looking did I send you a picture of that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he yeah. looked okay, disheveled. so you see. Yeah. And so literally outside of outside of a Harry Potter ride, by himself, looking at his phone, looking miserable. And it's like, wow, that's like one of those things where I thought in the moment I was like, wow, how funny, wow, that's 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 an SEC assistant coach just kind of just hanging out and you know taking his family on vacation. Meanwhile, and he's having like, an epiphany. Meanwhile, he's like, I'm about to leave coaching after after we win the national title this year at Georgia. Um, no, uh, but you know, shout out to Billy Donovan, shout out and shout out to Matt Luke. Uh, I you know, always a fan of a guy who has that you know kind of uh, self awareness to be like, you know what, I'm done. So hang it up. I've got enough money. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be a dad. Like that's, you know, shout out to him, man. Um, Regarding my power rankings with Billy Donovan, might have to update them and get back to you. And you know, I wonder if we'll see some version of 
him, Matt Luke, I mean, in media. Because he'd be an great, interesting cat in media, yeah. Great gig, you know. Mm-hmm. Work part of the year. These guys yep. need something to do. Yep. Um, Billy Donovan, by by the way, five eleven. So I don't know if he counts as a short king in your I eyes. I think maybe, technically, but. I mean, given what he's standing next to on a regular <laughs> basis, that would definitely fall into short. It's just him standing next to. I don't even know who's with the Bulls anymore in the front court. Uh. Bobby Portis is yeah. Bobby Portis, yeah, that's a good uh, one. Uh, well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, he's choking Levine. Something's going on. There's a little tussle here. We've got no. Anyway, fireworks. Oh yeah, in Bobby the Portis NBA used to it. play for. Bobby Portis used to play for the Bulls. Now he plays for the Bucks. Yeah, no, yeah. Just seeing him standing next to like Tr- oh Tristan Thompson play and Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, so just like these guys who are a foot taller than him. Like, all right, time, time for your instructions. All right, uh, we've got quite a bit to discuss today. Got some basketball news stuff to lead off with, and then uh, some more discussion of football as we uh, as we move forward. We'll start with basketball, Painter. I think not too long ago we were talking about uh, Auburn recruiting and in the transfer portal and all that, and I made the comment that it seemed like Auburn didn't really have as much momentum as they did at one point with uh, with Julian Phillips, the uh, the other five star from LSU uh, that decommitted after the uh, after the firing of Will Wade. Uh, lo and behold, that shows you how much I know. It shows you uh, how, uh, as I say on this podcast all the time, uh, trust the folks who are recruiting reporters. Trust the folks that do this uh, and have the sources and 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 do a great job of it because. I'm not one of those people, especially when it comes to recruiting. Um, Julian Phillips is uh, expected to be on a visit this week, starting on Monday, for uh, for Auburn. Um, he is he is making his official visit. He's uh, Monday through so Monday through Wednesday, so a pretty long visit there. His OV with Auburn. This was reported by several folks. Um, I saw on three had it. I saw that Scout had it uh, as well. Uh, and uh, Joe Tipton of uh, On3 uh, reporting uh, on Saturday that he had he was unofficially visiting South Carolina over the weekend. Pretty good sign. Pretty good sign for Auburn that they're going to uh, get a guy like Julian Phillips in for a long official visit. This would be a pretty big uh, pickup, obviously, for Auburn if they were able to land him. Consensus five-star across the board. Um, you know, this is a... Guy, it was a McDonald's All-American game uh, player. LSU had, I mean, a heck of a recruiting class uh, until, you know, it all fell apart on him. Auburn was able to take advantage by getting Yohan uh, Traor uh, to sign with them from, you know, after the decommitment. They're trying to see if Lightning can strike twice again with a guy like Julian Phillips. Listed right now at 6'8", 200. Obviously got room to grow uh, on that 200 side, uh, especially. Um, listed some places have him as a power forward. Some of them has, has him as a small forward. I think in with Auburn, with, with, uh, Traor and, um, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Williams. And you've got guys like, you know, still recruiting guys like Janai Broom and Brandon Huntley Hatfield and, you know, have Dylan Cardwell back and, and guys like that. I think you would most likely see him play more of that three role could stretch him out into a four, uh, but size wise, very similar to an Isaac Okoro, a Chumo Kiki coming out of high school his game very similar to some of those to me looks more like one of those kind of athletic slasher type of wings um can shoot the ball from deep obviously um like anybody at this at this stage in uh in in major and major recruiting uh you got to be able to shoot from the outside he's definitely got that it's not the main part of his game but uh it is a part of it um i've seen comps to i've seen comps of him to Guys like uh, style wise again, like guys like Paul George, guys like uh, Trevor Reza. Um, you know, so think of athletic slashing type of winger uh, who can do stuff with the ball in his hands and get to the basket. Um, can also create off the bounce um, and you know use his athleticism and his length to uh, cause problems at, at that position. Especially, I think the more and more you know, the more and more basketball kind of evolves and changes when you start seeing teams run a lot of three-guard lineups. Um, Phillips would be a guy that I think, you know, would have a pretty good size advantage against a lot of people at the three. And if you needed him to play four, 
I think that would make sense uh, as well. But really, really good sign for Auburn, um, obviously, that, that you're able to have um, a guy like Julian Phillips take an official visit uh, and, and it to be as long as it is um, at a time where it doesn't seem to be any real consensus leader for him. Um, you know, I'm sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong in terms of predictions or stuff like that, but not seeing a whole lot of, like, this guy's definitely a lock to hear um, or, you know, it would be surprising if he doesn't go here. Um, I think Auburn's in a pretty good spot, obviously, if, if you're able to uh, to get him uh, on board. And uh, Painter, once again, Auburn going down and, and trying to take advantage of the, the work from your close personal friend, uh, Will Wade. Will Wade, my guy. Curious sort of pathway for his recruitment over the last month or whatever it's been because his name surfaced as someone Auburn would probably go after at the same time as Treor. But then there, it sort of went quiet, and it was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not super surprised. He may have plenty of options, and that's just not going to happen. And then very recently, it felt like, oh, no, Auburn is very much in play for uh, the former LSU commit. So that would be fun. Uh, our gain, LSU's loss, that's tough. But yeah, I, I hope it's true. Seems like Phillips, South Carolina, obviously one of those teams in the mix for him. We've seen Tennessee, Gonzaga, Florida State, USC also has been in the mix as well. Um, a number of other ones. He seems to be taking his time. Uh, that was something that we saw kind of early in the month after he decommitted, you know, that he wants to, you know, make the right call. Uh, and uh, he hasn't been in a hurry. The signing period for basketball stretches into mid-May, if I remember correctly. So, like, there's no real super big rush right now. Um, but, you know, Auburn getting an, an official visit this early um, is, is, is a great sign for him. As they continue to push, I mean, you got to think, it's not like Auburn has 10 million spots to give out. This is not like last season where you have this big overhaul that you're ha- that you're having with your with your roster. However, you're going after Janai Broom, probably one of the best, you know, if not the best mid-major big man in the in the draft or in the in the transfer portal right now. You're going after a former five-star in Braden Huntley Hatfield. Uh, you're going after Julian Phillips. You know, so the, there are there are plenty of options and there are plenty of spots that you could kind of kind of go with here. But I think Phillips would very much fill in the um, the questions we had, you know, especially after Devin Cambridge transferred out. What does Auburn do at the wing? What does Auburn do? Get more size. Another guy who can kind of kind of stretch the floor for you and, and shoot from deep, help you out in that regard. Um, if you were able to get, land a guy like Phillips, I think it's like him and, and Alan Flanagan um, – you know, can can kind of play that role. You also have Chance Westry as well, and then Katie Johnson, obviously, you know, more on the undersized version, but you know that he works as a two as well. So you, you just feel a whole lot more secure, I think, about your depth um, and your and your firepower um, on the wing, um, you know, kind of playing, playing off ball if you get a guy like Phillips. I think he would be kind of the – you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn would try to go after a guard if they had the spot for it. You know, maybe maybe a guy a little bit more of a natural too, but um, you know this is this is definitely the type of player that I think could make a huge huge uh, impact. Um, you know, on the on the team uh, moving forward. Obviously, five stars. You know, those don't grow on trees. And uh, Auburn, up until recently, just didn't have very many of them all time. I think the track record Bruce Pearl has had here recently with guys like Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler both going into the league. The work they did, not five starts, but the work they did with Isaac Okoro and Chumo Kiki so quickly definitely make, makes a lot of sense there. And then, yeah, I got like Sharif Cooper, um, who his only season at Auburn did not go like anybody expected in terms of availability, but got him into the league. And, and you know, JT Thor was a guy that probably would have been a five-star if he, if he didn't reclassify. So, you know, it's, it's just that track record of development. It's just it's such a weapon that you can go to these guys like this and say, hey – you come here, we make you better. You know, um, that's that's something that I think, uh, you know, you can't really say that about everybody um, that's going after him. And Auburn's in a really good spot because of that. And it obviously helps that uh, that, that uh, Treor has already signed with Auburn. Um, so you could see the connection there. Do you think that Bruce highlighted Jalen's role with this team and what Bruce publicly has said I think more than once about the value Jalen will bring 
knowing he was going to try to bring in and overload or not overload, but overhaul the front court and, and wanted to make sure publicly that people knew what he thought of Jalen, or do you think it was not so much a strategic thing? No, we're actually going to run our offense through Jalen next year. We think he's that important, but we're not going to pass up talent. Yeah. Some guys that you probably, they weren't in play all that recently because they were committed to LSU. Yeah. I mean, let's go back. I think, um, the timeline, if I remember correctly, uh, Will Wade uh, was fired at LSU on March 12th. March 12th would have been the would have been during the SEC tournament. Yeah, it was the Saturday of the SEC tournament. So Auburn goes to the NCAA's the next week. They're out in the second round. Julian Phillips decommitted from LSU a few days later, so like right around the tournament. Uh, Trey or the same way I think Auburn is yeah I think that's a good point that you made there painters like you're not going to turn down talent right whether it's a Brandon Huntley hat I mean these guys I mean everybody we mentioned outside of broom those guys are all five stars or former five stars across the board these are elite types of players and Jalen Williams is a really good basketball player um, and was a blue chip coming out of high school um, for a guy who played at a very small high school uh, his talent speaks for itself I think it was one of those things where, you know, he had just played that weekend. He had just played two pretty good games for Auburn. I think a lot of it was Bruce saying, like, hey, man, like, props to Jalen Williams because he couldn't help the fact that, you know, we had an opportunity to get two elite players, and that was going to run into tough minutes because, you know, Jabari Smith's going to play 30 minutes a night at power forward. Okay, so that takes away his minutes, and then it's like, well, we saw Jalen Williams play center. Oh, wait, no, the best defensive player in America is at center now as well. And so you may run into that same kind of situation again this year. And as I wrote in the mailbag last Friday, not to take anything away from um, Trey Orr or or any of these guys Auburn could get if they get any of these other dudes um, that we've been talking about, I don't know if those guys are necessarily going to be super dominant to – completely shut Jalen Williams out from playing, you know, a good role next season. I think Jalen Williams can be a guy that doesn't necessarily have to start but play well and, and be a key contributor. Um, we saw this very different, obviously, in terms of how it works out. But, like, we've seen the whole thing with Wendell Green Jr. and Zepp Jasper. It's like you don't necessarily have to be the starter or you don't have to necessarily play the most minutes to make an impact and be a key part of it. Um but yeah, the other thing is like Brandon Huntley Hatfield was not in the portal when when you know Bruce said any of that. Uh, Janai Broom was not in the portal when when Bruce said any of that, um, or at least he might have just gotten in, at least the first time. And so it's just yeah, I think I think it's a thing where you know you want to keep him, um, you want to you want to continue to say he has value, and he has plenty of value. And, and I and I I agree with Bruce that like yeah, a senior who is as skilled as Jalen Williams is, he can be one of your key players and you can win a lot of basketball games with that, right? You know, you saw how much veteran leadership, especially in the front court, um, paid off for teams uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Kansas had several guys with a lot of uh, a lot of college experience under their belt. You know, help them win the, help them win the title. Um, other guys, you know, at, at other schools that went deep, made an impact so like uh, yeah I, I I guess what I'm saying is is that you know I think I think part of it is just like continuing to get like yeah there's, there's gonna be a lot of changes happening Auburn is going to lose Jabari and, and at that point they probably you know when he said that after the game after the Miami game it's like yeah there's a good chance that Walker doesn't come back either there's gonna be a lot of changes they're gonna try to reload that way you know Auburn signed two guys in the, the early the first signing period in basketball that aren't front court players that aren't, you know, fours or fives. So they're going to have to replace them with transfers or in, in this case, getting guys who were, who were signed somewhere else at some point. I think it was just one of those things where it's like, you say, Hey, this guy's still going to have plenty of values. Don't forget about him. We're going to try to try to build. But then, yeah, like you said, you're not going to, you're not going to shut yourself off from being a more talented team. Because I think last season showed that 
you can be a really awesome team without necessi- with you know while trying to stockpile as much as possible. And it is an arms race, is especially you got to think about it in the context as well of, of what's going on in the SEC. If you're trying to load up and try to get as many five stars as possible, or as, or as many elite prospects as possible, or top transfers, look what you're going up against, right? Alabama, who found out um, or had the official announcement this weekend that Javon Quinterly is coming back for another year, elite recruiting class that they're bringing in, and and they're trying to add more pieces there. Arkansas has an insanely good recruiting class coming in, and that's when Kentucky's going to continue to be Kentucky. You know, Tennessee's going to be really, really good. You would expect some of these other teams to have really strong recruiting classes and, and try to build up that way. Like when you look at what it, what it costs and what it takes to be among the best of the best this past season, Auburn had to go out and acquire that talent and get as most out, get the most out of them as they could. But also you got to have that foundation. And I think Jalen Williams is a key part of that foundation. And, and he will be, even if he's not the guy next season. And there's a good chance that he's not just because of the dudes Auburn's trying to bring in right now. Curious about the guards too. Like it'll be nice yeah. to, I mean, have some bigger guards coming in. It has been sort of a running joke that Bruce seems to uh, to like his small guards. But the next two guys coming in, I mean, one of them's a football player, and the other one's what, like a six six shooter in Westry. Yeah, some, more some probably height. probably more of a slasher. Yeah, yeah. The Dawson thing's interesting to me, and it's like I'll be curious to see what the football, what he does with football, because. To my knowledge, I don't think football has said they that he has signed with them. You know, you know, it's one to say he's been he signed as a basketball player, and I don't remember seeing football like formally acknowledge that he's going to be a part of the team, like from a from an official. I know that's the plan, you know. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see what Donaldson what all that happened. But yeah, yeah, smaller guards, uh, especially at point, makes sense, but. This is where a guy like Phillips, I think, helps you out that two and three bulk up, gets you, gets you some more size. Um, and, you know, anything, if you bring in a guy like Julian Phillips or you bring in, you know, anybody who plays that two or that three role for next season, the t- question is going to be about Alan Flanagan. And I think there's a lot of belief from folks inside the program and around it that, like, hey, you know, they, they expect Alan um, to – to kind of get back to his old self uh, here ne- next season. We've talked about it before, man. We're like, if he just gets – if he just plays like sophomore Al was or, yeah, sophomore Al was, you have a really, really good piece, like a and a, a great kind of connection piece between the backcourt and the frontcourt. You got a guy with experience. You got a guy who's going to physically be one of the best players on the floor, you know, every single time out when he's 100%. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of him just getting his confidence back and getting truly 100% uh, with that leg and, you know, getting back in the groove of things. It's the other thing is like when when Auburn's offense, that early part of the season, that non-conference slate where after they lost in double overtime to, to UConn, they went on that tear that ran, you know, for so, so long, went all the way to number one. For a good chunk of that, playing it was still on the sidelines. You know, and so I think Auburn really found its groove on offense without him. And then when he tried to come in with it, it was just, you know, not saying he had ruined it. I'm not saying that at all. I just think it was just, it was harder for him to kind of get in that same flow that his teammates were in. Completely healthy, full off season, you should, that, sh- that should be a whole lot different. If he becomes like an all SEC second team guy, you know, that changes the course, I think, of Auburn's season expectations were high this year this season I sort of feel like I just want to see him look more competent because I get I felt for him at times this year it was just kind of rough to watch for stretches of him you know of his play and then there were a couple times where it looked like the light was coming on you had the A&M game where it was like man he's looking really good again it's just just that what didn't come consistently without Devin like so that was one of the big things for Auburn this past season is that you had Devin Cambridge and again Cambridge had his issues. He had, like, you know, he wasn't the most efficient shooter by any means, and he didn't, you know, I guess that's kind of the main thing with him, but he was so good at catching lobs. He was so good at rebounding. He was so good, so much more improved at playing defense that you had that where it was like, okay, he doesn't have to necessarily be on 100. You know, Allen doesn't. You can still win win basketball games with that. Well, you don't have that anymore. Devin's going to 
go play at a better, get a better opportunity for himself, play with his brother at Arizona State. You know, that's a, so that's where it's like getting a guy like Julian Phillips and bringing in a guy like Chance Westry like makes a lot of sense. Where it's like you 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 might not get dominant, you know, first team All SEC type of talent, Alan Flanagan again, or you you know that might not be what you need him to be if you have other pieces around. Because when he went off as a sophomore, when he had those really good years, it's that really good stretch. Even in the times where he had to play out of position and play point guard, the thing with Al was that. He didn't have a he didn't have quite as much around him as he did this past season, where you've got two first rounders in the front court, you've got you know these guys in the back court that were instant impact kind of transfers uh, and played really really well for you. So he might not have to be that guy again, but man, getting closer to that would just would just do wonders for him. All right, well I guess Auburn has an opponent on that schedule again. Yeah, yeah, kind of uh, making good on them coming out here. Oh, and then making up for the fact, you know, their bus call on fire. Remember that? That That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah. John Rothstein reporting uh, over the weekend that Auburn is going to get the second half of their home-and-home agreement with Washington in place uh, for this upcoming season. Auburn will go to Seattle. That is uh, the other half of an agreement that started in 2019. 2020 uh, didn't work out in 2020. Obviously, in 2021, uh, with COVID and the, and the, and the, the shortened uh, non-conference uh, schedule and with all the different rules from different leagues. They didn't play it there. They didn't play it last year either, so they're finally going to make it up um, reportedly in 2023. Auburn beat Washington, and if you remember that game, that was the year Auburn finishes the year going to the Final Four. Big night. It was uh, Washington was ranked at the time. Man, that's how far back that was. Matisse Thibault, uh, who plays in the plays in the NBA, uh, now was the uh, was the start was the was the key uh, player for Washington that year, uh, and Auburn beat them uh, by 22, uh, pretty soundly. Uh, but yeah, Auburn going to Washington. It'll be interesting to see what time it, that is. If that's going to be like a super super early season game, if that's going to be a November game, or if it's going to be a little bit later on in December. Uh, but looking at UW uh, under Mike Hopkins last season. Uh, they went 17 and 15, um, and uh, were very experienced. Man, they had one, two, three, four, four seniors and four juniors in their rotation. Uh, like they had one freshman who played a little bit last season. One of the most experienced teams in college basketball last year, uh, but did not make the tournament. They were 17 and 15, like I said, um, and uh, had a couple of rough stretches there in Pac-12 play. Uh, lost in the second round of the Pac-12 tournament and exited there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I feel like Washington basketball has kind of been on a downward slope really since, you know, they lost to Auburn that year and ended up having a great season. They went 27-9 and and uh, went to the NCAA tournament as a, as a nine seed, lost, lost to a really good Carolina team uh, in the second round that year. But then they go 15 and 17 the next year. They had a really long losing streak, and then they went five and 21 in the COVID year, uh, or the COVID season, I should say, and uh, and then last season just just getting back barely above 500. So, be interesting to see what uh, what UW looks like this upcoming year. Um, sounds like they're gonna have to reset their roster a good bit um, because. Uh, they uh, they have a number of they had a number of dudes who ran out of eligibility this past season. So, uh, but Auburn always um, always good to play teams that you're not usually super familiar with. I uh, you know I'm I'm personally all in favor for Auburn to play as many West Coast teams as possible because that's just not a mix up you see very often in football, and I think basketball is the same way. Uh, Auburn's got that home and home. They're supposed to be playing with USC in, in the near future in basketball. So. Uh, yeah, that one getting on the schedule should be should be a lot of fun, and that we'll see. I mean, transfer portal and, and recruiting and all that makes rosters change so quickly. But that would be a game where you would feel like Auburn would have a good shot to go on the road, beat a power conference team, uh, and help out that resume. Uh, pretty pretty good little uh, resume booster early in the year. Depending on what Washington ends up looking like, um, it's just they have not quite been the same since that last time Auburn played them. I don't want to pull a Kentucky here, but, but, you know, do you think that the people out there care enough about the basketball program to make it a well-attended game, given that Auburn 
might be an appealing non-conference matchup to teams out there. I mean, I would think that the team question. will be ranked. Like, does that fan base care enough that it's like, oh, there's a ranked team coming to town? Maybe the game's on TV. Like, do we show up? Is that on yeah. anyone's radar out there? Uh, let me let me see. I want to see what their attendance was like this past season. Because um, okay, I'm tempted so, to be like, oh, that's great. You could get a, a road win, and like it's a maybe it's a tough environment. But I have no idea what sort of if it's really that tough of an environment if they show up for these games or not. Let's see. Uh, according to their official website, um, and again, I don't know what the COVID guidelines were for attendance and all that in the Pac-12 last year. But uh, according to According to their website, they had 6,500 fans per game last year uh, in basketball, uh, and their home arena, uh, which is the Alaska Airlines Arena, is about the size of Auburn Arena. So not selling it out regularly, but I think it would be, um, you know, they averaged getting about two-thirds in there. And, again, I don't know if if COVID, you know, any regulations or anything like that affected that or just maybe the fact that – Washington basketball's just not been that good the last few years. Um, affected it, but I, I I would think I would think like you were saying along the lines that you were thinking there, Painter. Like I would think that if Auburn comes in next season as a ranked team early in the year, that's going to draw some attention. That's going to draw some. That's going to draw some fans in the building. Um, you know, I think it would be a big one that Washington knows if they beat an Auburn team at home, they know that would be a good resume builder uh, to begin with. Man, it is so weird though. I'm looking back through. Washington had some. Washington's had some really good players. Isaiah Stewart, Jalen McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels. Sorry, they've had some NBA guys, and they just have not been able to like produce a whole lot of talent out of it. You know, or, or quality <laughs> quality uh, wins out of it. Well, I also uh, just wonder for schools that are in like Seattle or Vanderbilt and Nashville, there is just a yeah. lot more going on, and so I wonder if you have a team that's meddling or. You know, mm-hmm. even bad. Man, I just do people care. I, I just realized that. Yeah, it just kind of hit me again. Twenty, the twenty sixteen seventeen season. Washington had uh, Matisse Thibault and Markel Fultz in their backcourt, and they went nine and twenty two. That's crazy. That is crazy to think about. Um, yeah, I just, I know, like, I know, like, when Washington footballs, it's kind of like with Oregon as well. Um. And a lot of those Pac-12 schools, it's like, when you're good, people pay attention, right? You know, I think the thing is, is like here in the SEC, when you think about it, like, yeah, okay, so, you know, LSU's got New Orleans nearby, Texas A&M's got, you know, all the Texas schools, or the Texas pro teams, uh, mostly the Houston side uh, there, but obviously Dallas pulls because it's a whole state. Nashville, you know, Vanderbilt, so the I guess the most perfect example, you know, Georgia and Athens and all that, but a lot of SEC schools are in a spot where you're either in a state with no pro teams or if you are, they're kind of detached enough from it. Maybe, you know, Vanderbilt's different. Um, You know, Vanderbilt's obviously different in a number of ways. But, like, it's one of those things where I've always heard from my friends who who cover the Pac-12. It's like, well, when you're good, you get a lot of attention from that metro area. Like, when USC was popping – Every you know that they were a they were a Will headline Ferrell, act. Snoop Dogg at practice, yeah. baby, and and I think that's what they want. They want to get that again with Lincoln Riley. That's that's the whole goal, right? Washington, I feel like it's kind of the same way. When 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 Washington's popping, like yeah, I, I think you know the Seattle sports market will pay attention. Southern Cal should have an advantage unlike no other with name, image, and likeness, where they can yeah. if you get yeah. the right players in, as we yeah. saw with Liner and Bush in particular, you, they can make them. Huge stars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a little more of like it's West Coast is more of a you're in wait and see mode. Market. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Whereas you know, we'll if, you're there, at, if you guys start putting a couple wins together, yeah, like but go to Mississippi. You know, go to Mississippi or you know even Auburn, Alabama. You know, and and but I like Mississippi is a good example for this and Arkansas to an extent and some of their sports where it's like, yeah, you could be three and nine or four and eight, but you're still it's still a 365 day you know, a year obsession. It's not it's not gonna be that way in some of these markets out on the West Coast just because it's you know, you've got you there there's other things competing for your attention. I think Miami kinda runs into that same thing as well. Um You wonder if it's healthier living that way. <laughs> Maybe. If you have just more yeah, if you're more if they're upset. not good, you detect now I'm sure some people would say, Hey, that's part of the fun when they're down, when you're down with the team. 
and then you get the wins, you know, like when yeah. you get a season like 13 or 17 or 10, it makes the tough years in between I mean, more fun. But I don't know. I mean, there's something about you get still get to celebrate either way. It's just like you're not so you're not so much pain when they're not doing well. I, hey, man, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I've said this before about sports with me where it's like, you know, the older I get and the more I do this. And I love obviously I love what I do for a living because um, I keep doing it. Um, but it's like a lot of sports can feel like work to me at times. Like you kind of, you kind of can get in that mindset a little bit. So when I do something that I want to kind of detach from it, it's stuff that has nothing to do with sports, but I'm also one of those people that are like, if the team that I like or that is losing, man, I just won't watch them. Nope. I don't need that. Like <laughs> if it's going to feel like work and I'm not enjoying it. Nope. I'm out. Not when um, Killian Murphy's on TV, baby. I mean, come no. on, I can just flip it over anytime and he's there enjoying a cigarette and, Looking like a an alpha male, and that's yep, why we that's... watch videos on YouTube about the Sigma grind set of Killian Murphy and Thomas Shelby, body <laughs> posture, and how you two can be alpha. He's also a short guy, isn't he? I think he's like five nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aging yeah, so... very well. Good for him. We're all yeah. We're all we're all uh... about the good aging here today on the Observer. For Madonna, sure. You know, skincare. You certainly want to. Apply some lotion every now and again. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll wrap up with some football chatter. Uh, before we do, we've got uh, some business to take care of. First off, if you're listening to this, thank you. Um, we appreciate you guys listening uh, and tuning in and checking us out. Uh, if you don't know, if it's your first time or if you just need a reminder, uh, there's more of this where this comes from. You get uh, at least one uh, more podcast a week if you subscribe to the Auburn Observer. You also get... All the newsletters I write about Auburn football and men's basketball this past week. We had stories about um, spring uh, spring games and, like, do they mean anything? Do we learn anything from them? Did a deep dive into Wendell Green Jr.? Did a deep dive into Auburn's edge rushers? We had a really fun uh, premium podcast this past week at Mailbag where I answer uh, reader and listener, listener questions in there. You can get all that, and you can get more podcasts. All it costs you is $6 a month or $60 a year. If you subscribe to uh, the Auburn Observer, auburnobserver.com, um, check it out there. If you have been on the fence about subscribing, uh, there is a free trial option. You can check us out for seven days for free on the site. And then number two, this would be a good week to do it because uh, it is uh, our friends over at, I guess I guess is what is collectively still known as, as Every Day Should Be Saturday. Um, it is Charity Bowl Week. Coming up here, by the time you're listening to this on Monday, it's already underway. Um, and we're doing the same thing we did last year. Uh, if you subscribe, any new subscribers, uh, the money that you pay for your subscription, that will go to the Charity Bowl. Uh, and also, uh, we'll do the same thing we did last year where if you're an Auburn fan and you're already subscribed to The Observer, if you email me a screenshot of your receipt from the charity uh, donations uh, to the Charity Bowl, uh, you can get a free month added just tacked on to your subscription. So you can do that as well. Um, there will be more info. I'll be tweeting out, out about it uh, throughout the week, and uh, we will try to include a leak of some kind as well in the description. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty big week, Charity Bowl. If you don't know the Charity Bowl, Spencer Hall, Holly Anderson, the whole gang over there, the Shutdown Fullcast, uh, and other fine Internet services raise money each year for a – nonprofit in Atlanta that helps uh, get refugees um, settled and, uh, you know, uh, plugged into uh, to living in the United States. And uh, it's a really good service. Uh, it's done a lot of great work for a very long time. And uh, we're happy to be a part of the efforts. And it's a uh, it's a thing where you raise money and do it for bragging rights. So if you're an Auburn fan, you make your donation, you say that you're an Auburn fan, and then they keep track. Uh, throughout the year Michigan always wins you're never going to catch Michigan uh, but um, last year Auburn did had a pretty good showing um, well, a lot better showing than they usually have and I want to see that number go even higher this year I want to see Auburn try to flirt with maybe even some top 10 love this year um, so donate to the charity bowl and like I said um, if you're on the fence about if you've been on the fence or you've been thinking about subscribing this would be a good week to go uh, and subscribe because that money is going to go directly to helping folks out uh, that are new to the United States. Also, um, Homefield, homefieldapparel.com, our good friends at Homefield. Big news Saturday, season four is coming up, so there will be more schools being added 
to uh, to our um, beloved website here uh, in the near future. But home field apparel, it's the best uh, designs that you're going to find for any collegiate team anywhere. There's a ton of Auburn stuff on their site uh, that you can check out. We're talking T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, the whole nine yards. You can get that at Home Field Apparel, and uh, Painter and I can tell you it's the most comfortable stuff you can wear anywhere. Painter, how did you feel about the new Virginia Tech stuff that came out? I know you've been you've been eyeing your beloved Hokies. They had a they had a really cool um, new shirt I saw uh, this week with the script Hokies across the chest. That's got to be it's got to be a winner, I'm sure. Always a good look. There's nothing bad. They've never done anything bad, folks. It's all perfect. That's all that you need to know. That's all you need to know. And the other thing you need to know about Home Field Apparel is that you can get 15% off your very first order at homefieldapparel.com if you use the promo code OBSERVER when you're checking out. So homefieldapparel.com, get you some Auburn stuff, get you some Virginia Tech stuff. Any school that you have any sort of affinity to, you can buy stuff there. There's a really good chance they either have them or they're going to have them in the near future. And uh, I think they also have a new charity shirt up with uh, Mike Golick Jr. and the gang raising money for feeding america um so that'd be that's another cool uh design that they just put out here recently i would recommend the hoodie or sweatshirt that's Mm. my two cents and i know it's warming up it's it's getting hotter and it might not be hoodie and sweatshirt season where you're living do y'all not keep your houses and apartments cold i mean come on i like to be freezing and just bundle up you know i can't I, i had this conversation recently with somebody it's like i i don't i have to pay for that I have to pay for that. So it's, you know, but the other thing there is, is that you want to be prepared. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to get it to when it starts getting cool again. Right. And getting, getting cold. And you're like, man, I wish I had a hoodie. Well, when you order it, it's going to take a while for it to get here because of shipping and all that. So go ahead and stock up, be prepared. You were listening to the supply chain podcast on the Auburn Observer. I bet Auburn could do a really cool supply chain podcast podcast isn't that, isn't that like one of the big things oh yeah Auburn? they've got a crazy job placement rate in the business school yeah. shout out to all of our our supply chain folks i know some of you might be listening uh right now big windows right. open guy right now there you go there you go last bit of business thank you for supporting us as we said if you subscribe um if you're listening to us tell your friends tell your enemies tell anybody you know about the observer if you enjoy it uh, but also, there's another way you can do to help us out. Painter, take it away. Rate, review, subscribe. Got a little podcast purple button. The podcast purple button, that one. Mm-hmm. And then just search Auburn Observer on the public feed and then do five stars real quick. And it'd be cool if you'd leave a review. If you leave a review, it helps us out a ton. Um, and we, and we, uh, we read them out on the air because we're vain people. But also because we like shouting y'all out. Uh, this is from OBCE, our friend, uh, on Twitter, uh, says, uh, his review is, uh, long time, first time, uh, the day they announced that starting the Auburn Observer was a good day, signed up the first chance I could, that is true, I remember that, um, <laughs> been reading, uh, since the SEC country, uh, days, and been listening to, uh, Justin and Painter since the TLB days, another Deep one cuts of our, only, jeez another, another one of our TLB uh, uh, originals. Yeah, and if you've read anything from me at SEC Country, I am sorry. Um, <laughs> they have great synergy and bring a great podcast covering Auburn basketball and football. It's like talking AAU sports around the kitchen table with your buds, except for your buds are not as talented as these guys. Also, I use nothing but Android devices, but made an Apple account to write wow. this review. Going the extra mile, our friend, CE. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, we appreciate everybody who uh, has to has to avoid has to uh, find workarounds to get onto the Apple Podcast uh, thing. But yeah, that that really does mean a lot to us. Thank you so much, and thank you to everybody who listens and reviews um, because you help us out in a great, great way. All right, Painter, let's wrap up with some football. You had a position. We we did this last week, um, and we talked about Tank. Um, you had another. You had some more topics in mind at that time. And then you had some more today that you wanted to talk about. Where do we want to go? Because this off-season mode, we're trying to try to hit, you know, trying to hit on a few things at a, at a time because you don't want to like talk through everything and get repetitive throughout. I mean, we, we shoot, we've got like what three more months of this to do. So like before we get back to fall camp, so don't want to hit everything all at once. But uh, what do you want? What did you want to discuss today with football? I think you had something specific in mind. 
How about a discussion on the linebackers? Auburn's had a nice run at the position. Yep. Maybe it Z- does again. It still seems shakier this year. Yeah. Uh, like maybe there could be a dip. Yeah. So um, if you listen to our premium podcast this past Friday, Painter and I did a, um, a draft uh, where we picked our picks to be breakout players this year. And basically the stipulation was couldn't pick anybody who was – uh, a transfer this year or um, somebody who started last season. And I regular. tried. I did try with Keandre Jones. <laughs> that was just me not doing, not, not paying attention. Um, so uh, my, I had the first overall pick and I picked um, Cam Riley because I am really, really high on Cam Riley. I think when you look at a dude who's like prototype size, um, he's huge uh, for that position, but he's very athletic and move really well coming off of a, a great spring game where I think he had, one of the better performance when we talked about this last week with uh, with the All Spring Game team at the Observer uh, at the newsletter, one of the best performances we've seen a linebacker put out. Him and uh, West Steiner both, I think. You know, if you go back through the history of of recent spring games, um, what they were able to do was pretty significant. I mean, those you don't see a performance like that necessarily each and every year. So, um, I like those guys a lot. But yeah, you said it's a little shakier, and I think that's I think that's the best way to put it. It's like there's got there's going to be a lot that that has to be proven with that crew um, this fall because Owen Papo's coming off of a year where he was hurt most of it, and when he did come back, he wasn't quite the same, and then he was shut down again. What does he look like? You know, off those injuries, um, you know, didn't participate in spring ball because the number one priority is getting him healthy. We know what a fully healthy Owen can look like, but, it, it, you know, we were talking about Alan Flanagan earlier. It's like every time you come off of injuries, you have to have the wonders like, okay, can you get back to what you were? Um, that's a question. You lose a guy in Jacob McLean who was just nothing but just an insane producer um, for years and years for you at, at linebacker. And I'm interested to see where Jacoby goes in the NFL draft this week. It doesn't seem like, you know, real quick um, – Talking the draft doesn't seem like Auburn's going to get a whole lot more guys in the draft other than maybe Roger. Well, Roger definitely, um, and then Zacoby and, and and Smoke will probably be day three guys. Not really seeing anything else in terms of widely projected, but you know there 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 might be room for some surprises there once you get into the late rounds. Um, I, I'm interested to see where where, where teams view Zacoby. He's not very big for a linebacker. Um, especially at the NFL level, but it's like he's really good at football. He played against the toughest schedule in the country. He played in the toughest conference in the country. Um, draft him and figure it out uh, is, is kind of my advice there. But, um, yeah, it's just that's the group that I thought, Painter, I think more than anything at the position, you know, and I, I don't know, I'd be interested to hear what you think. Like, I think it's the consensus that depth aside – you feel good about your top-level talent on the defensive line, your edge rushers, and then the secondary, you're bringing back a good bit of dudes in the secondary. It's just your inside linebackers who have been so key in both this this new change, this new look defense that they've had with Derek Mason and what Jeff Schmetting's going to continue to run system-wise, and then what you had in Kevin Steele. Um, they've been so key, obviously, to, to your success. And – your starters next season are most likely going to be a guy who missed most of last year with injuries and guys who don't have a ton of experience at the spot. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that one, like, hinge point for that defense. And I think what's going to make or break Auburn's defense from being, you know, a great defense to just, you know, a solid defense is going to be that group. Like, how well do they produce? And I guess also the health of your edge rushers. But, um yeah, it's just that they are the big question mark. But I think I think you have to have come out of spring practice and the spring game in particular and think, wow, I mean, those guys showed a lot more than I – to me personally, I think they showed a lot more than I thought they were going to. That's a really good sign because they had a lot they had to pick up and do and carry the workload without a guy like Owen out there. Yeah, I was going to say the obvious part being, too, like a lot of this hinges on Owen just coming back and having a normal season. And it is interesting. Like, I know Owen is a good player. It just doesn't feel like Owen has had a lot of moments to shine at Auburn. And last year was different because he didn't play a whole lot. But for as talented and as athletic as he is, I feel like Owen has been out there and Owen has been very competent. At the same time, 
you know, I don't think he's turned into a star yet. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys where it's like former five-star, you know, you really like what he brings in terms of athleticism. He's one of those dudes where I think it wouldn't surprise me if we get to the end of his career at Auburn. And, look, I mean, I think I think you watch the tape with him, and I think you put on the film, and, and, and guys who know football and, like, coaches think very, very highly of him, and, like, opposing coaches think very, very highly of him. Because he's such a freak talent. I mean, he's literally nicknamed the freak for a reason. But, you know, that 2020 season, his, his that true sophomore season he had, second on the team in tackles, second on the team in sacks, if I remember correctly. Uh, uh, no, yeah, tied for the lead with sacks with Colby Wooden, and then third in tackles for loss. So he had a pretty productive year a couple years ago, the the COVID year. I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know if this – I don't know what you would think of this comp. Like, I don't know what people think of this player either. To me, I think he's very similar. It wouldn't surprise me if we get to the end of his career. And it's like very similar to what you see in Jamie and Sherwood, where it was like the stats weren't necessarily like eye popping. And you weren't like, whoa, man, this dude was just like far and away this just incredible elite defender stats wise. But if you watch the film and you watch the what all he could do, same thing with Jamie and Sherwood, where it was just like, man, he was always in the right spot in the right time. Um, he made really, really good plays um, on a consistent basis. I think that that was that defined a lot of what. And I'm not saying he was perfect, but like I think that defined a lot of Jamie and Sherwood's career at Auburn. And I think that might end up defining what Owen looks like. And I and maybe it would have been different last season if he wouldn't have gone down with those injuries. But it's just like he is that guy that I think the stats don't really tell the whole story with him, um, and that he continues to get accolades and attention even without the big numbers. We love it. Have yourself a season, Owen. That would be huge. That would be huge. And look, Cam Riley, if you get a good bit out of Cam Riley this upcoming season, um, that would be – like he's the type of guy that I think you're looking at just, you know, cyborg-like size over the middle of the field. And if you can play well in space and he can bring what Zacoby brought you in terms of a run-stopping ability, because that was the thing with Zacoby is that he was just so good at pursuit – and, and, and shutting folks down uh, pretty quickly. He was smart. He learned from behind K.J. Britt and Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Davis and like kind of continued that tradition of just see ball, hit ball type of, type of linebacker. If Cam Riley can be that at more of this kind of – like he's got the size, you know, the dimensions on him, especially now that Auburn's playing more of a, of a 3-4-ish type of system. He's got more of the dimensions of an inside linebacker that you would like see at Alabama. Right, he look he, he looks more like those kind of guys than where under the Kevin Steele system when they played more four three or basically a, a ton of four two five, they had the smaller kind of linebackers that you know played above their weight, played like literally played above their weight, you know, uh, uh, punched heavy for guys uh, of their size. And you obviously know that Deshaun Davis and, and KJ Britt and, and guys like that were chief examples of that. So Kobe fit in that. Riley, I think, is more of that. Just like oh wow, like. And that was the thing of him coming out of high school. It's like, man, if this dude can continue to grow, six five at linebacker, you you that's a lot of weight you can put on that guy and and continue to to turn him into something special. So, not to belabor the point from the premium podcast because I want people to listen to that if they haven't already. But uh, there's a lot to like about about a guy like that down the middle of the field if he can live up to it and. Um, from all accounts, he had a really good spring and seemed to impress both coaches and teammates at every turn. Wes Steiner, on the other hand, though, six foot two thirty, um, fast. You know, he's more of that Owen type, where it's like a little undersized in terms of height and all that, and you know, but can play in space, can can do some of that stuff. And I think that's a good tag team you can kind of develop there. I wouldn't be surprised if if Cam Riley takes over as kind of the the other top linebacker this year, I could see them being very situational with, with Steiner or kind of training up to be like, Hey, you, we think you can be like Owen, like learn from behind or learn behind him, do what he does. And then next season might be the one where he, he kind of blows up. And then you've got other guys down in the road that, that linebacker room. If, if you have caution about that linebacker room from, cause they're unproven up top, that makes a ton of sense. Um, but I would also add, that's a group that's got a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth at that in, in that inside linebacker room compared to maybe some of these other spots on defense. Because when you see, you're probably playing just two guys at a time at most. Um, 
you rarely are probably going to put three out there at a time. But you've got Owen, you've got Wes, you've got Cam Riley, you've got Des Tisdall, um, you got Eugene Asante, who I think could be a situational piece for you this year, or, you know, find a, a carve out a role because you went out and got him um, in the transfer portal from North Carolina. He's out there. Uh, Joko Willis, I think, is, is carving out a nice role for himself as a specialty player. Still have Cam Brown. And then Robert Woodyard was your top recruit from this from this past cycle. He's going to come in here in the summer. He, he could be, you know, continue to recruit blue chip players, four stars, consensus four stars at the position and developing them. He could be the next one in line. And then, uh, of course, Painter, we've got to talk about, you know, we, we've got to mention here, Powell Gordon, dear old Auburn High, he was in for spring and and uh, I thought you know made a couple made a couple of nice plays in the fourth quarter of the spring game. There's that's a lot right. of depth at that. There's a lot of depth at that linebacker spot. So that's a group that needs to prove itself and step up for you know in a big way uh, in a short amount of time. I think, but um, you know, an injury doesn't kill them necessarily. Maybe I mean if Owen continues to struggle with injuries again, then you have to do a lot of growing up across the board. But like. Compared to edge, definitely, but maybe compared to defensive line and now uh, the defensive backfield, um, you feel a whole lot better about the, about that about that linebacker depth. The Holden Garen or Powell Gordon selections <laughs> from you, absolutely, uh, they're beautiful. Yes, you're 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 buying you're buying low and, and you're, you're hoping <laughs> to sell high. Hey, I wanted to mention also. Um, while while it was fresh on my mind, we were we were talking about it before we go. Um, wanted to mention that uh, this was reported last week uh, by several folks. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure every every one of the major sites had it. Um, um, so uh, if I if I screwed up there, I'm, I apologize. But uh, pretty much widely reported at this point now that um, Marquise Robinson is going to uh, return to the team um, this summer. Uh, he entered the transfer portal um, this past winter um kind of in that rush where all those dudes entered the transfer portal from the uh from the uh for the defensive line and um he never landed anywhere else and uh reportedly uh enrolled in classes for the summer and is expected to rejoin the team and uh that defensive line again burks wooden harris you know jason jones coming back now or jason jones coming in got m by you got walker a lot of top level talent just not a ton of depth Marquise Robinson wasn't Lee Hunter in terms of your recruiting ranking coming out of high school, but very, very close behind him um, and actually got on the field last season, unlike uh, Hunter and some of those other guys. Um, he is uh, he's 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 reportedly on his way back to the team and uh, will uh, will bring another um, bit of depth to a position group that needs it. So that that's a big time pickup, I think, uh, for Auburn, because it would have been hard to find somebody in the portal that, that was, that had that guy's size and, uh, and, and, you know, just kind of pedigree coming out of high school. He's a really, really good recruit. And, uh, that's another blue chip player that Auburn's going to be able to keep in the boat after he decided to look elsewhere. And look, um, he might've been able to look elsewhere or, you know, I don't know the whole situation there, but I do know that Auburn needs more defensive linemen and they need depth and he could, he could be a key part of that. So big win, big win for Auburn for sure. Uh, to keep Robinson or to get Robinson back in the fold. Speaking of getting players, this week on the Premium Podcast, we may just have a guest who specializes in these things. We may just have a guest who specializes in these things. Great segue, Painter. The getting of players. Is that confirmed yet? or if we Still waiting on confirmation, but we do Still... feel good about it. The vibe is good. The vibe is good. The vibe is good. Well, um, like I said, if you subscribe to The Observer, you can get that bonus podcast later in the week. We are working on a guest uh, who knows quite a few things about uh, getting players and roster management and the portal and all that fun stuff. And uh, we, uh, we, we hope, hopefully can bring this guest on later in the week. And uh, we're, we're trying to book a lot more guests here for the premium podcast here in the future to get us through the off season. Um but uh, I think that'll do it for us this time. You got a Maybe Warriors go game to go watch, Mister. It's been a it's yeah. been a heated first quarter. Yeah, well, you know we 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 uh, we feel pretty good, you know, being up three zero. Yeah, Dre got into it early with uh, I guess was it is it Aaron Gordon? 
Air Gordon had a pretty good game last time out, but Jordan Poole's been amazing. Don't let anybody uh, try to tell you that I didn't always think Jordan Poole was going to be awesome. I definitely didn't think he was a waste of a pick. But, uh, no, Jordan Poole's <laughs> been amazing, and uh, Andrew Wiggins made some really clutch plays uh, in game three. And, you know, might not get the sweep here on this Sunday, but uh, feeling really good about where the Warriors stand, especially especially seeing that, that Minnesota-Memphis series uh, is going gonna, is gonna to go at least to six at this point so that that'll be very very helpful but uh yeah that'll do it for us um newsletters this week we will have basketball we'll have football uh we will look ahead um to i mean we'll we'll keep an eye on on the portal for both football and basketball and uh have some more fun stuff here in the off season and like like i said mailbag on friday hopefully having uh having a guest uh, for the premium pod uh later this week so hopefully all that will uh, shake out well, and uh, you will join us for that at the Observer. Like I said, sixty dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. There are links and buttons and all that to sign up uh, if you haven't already. And like I said, it's a good week to sign up, and it's a good week to uh, subscribe because your money will go directly uh, to uh, to a very good cause uh, in Atlanta. So that'll do it. Painter, final thoughts. Name the legendary coach who won more than 88% of his games. What sport? Football. College. Is it Eddie Robinson? Good are guess. We doing, are we doing the Bear Bryant? Canute Rockney. Newt Rockney. There you go. <laughs> no, Canute. Canute. <laughs> uh, the Notre Dame coach with a 105-12 and 5 career mark holds the record that for winning sense. percentage in both the college and pro ranks. Oh, how about that? Canute. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Swallow it, and it all dissolves, see? And the moonbeams that shoot out of your